If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 91. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there, and thank you for joining me. This is the first episode in a two-part series that addresses sentimental clutter. Now, you listeners write to me often about your sentimental clutter, and I hear you. What to do with a talented family member's paintings? what to do with your box of childhood items, what to do with your wedding dress. The list goes on and on. There is no specific or correct answer to these queries. I can tell you what to do with your wedding dress. I can give you suggestions for those old paintings. But when it comes to sentimental clutter, the truth of the matter is that only you know what to do with each and every item you're saving and only you know when you're ready to tackle them. Now, first things first, there's nothing wrong with keeping sentimental items around. There's nothing wrong with displaying those sentimental items. If you have a bunch of sentimental stuff, stuff from your childhood or from your past or from your deceased loved ones, if these things make you happy and they fill you with joy and love and fullness, then I say go on with your bad self and keep them, and keep them close. But the problem comes when sentimental items hold you down and hold you back. The vast majority of people I talk to tell me that holding on to that sentimental box is heavy. It's kind of like carrying around a burden that you don't have to carry around. Very few people tell me that they like keeping sentimental items in their homes, and even fewer listeners tell me that holding on to these things brings them happiness. Many people avoid decluttering this stuff and instead keep all those emotionally heavy items in a box in the attic or in the garage or in the basement out of sight. And that's because opening that box, or those boxes, let's be honest, and feeling those emotions is probably one of the hardest parts, if not the hardest part, of decluttering. But it's important to do so because if your home is overwhelmed with the sentimental stuff, it's hard to make room for creating new memories in the present moment. 
On today's show, I'm talking about my own recent battle with my sentimental box. And while I do so, I'm also offering up seven tips for you as you attempt to tackle your emotionally heavy objects once and for all. Finally, I'm going to introduce you to next week's guest because she tackled some real heavy sentimental items and came out on the other side. Now, before we get into the nuts and bolts of today's episode, first, a quick correction. One of the things I love most about you, my listeners, is that you reach out to me when I get things wrong. And on last week's episode, I mentioned that hand sanitizer is dangerous to our health because it contains triclosan. Well, thank you to Erica from Minnesota for alerting me that triclosan was banned in hand sanitizers and hand soaps as per FDA regulations. Please know that although triclosan is not in your sanitizer and not in your soap, it is still found in many other products, including hairspray, toothpaste, cosmetics, etc. So always do that due diligence before purchasing. All right, let's turn away from the triclosan and turn toward that sentimental stuff. My first tip for you is to make a minimum of three appointments with your sentimental stuff and put it on your calendars. It's going to get hard. The job of tackling the sentimental is tough. So making three appointments ensures that you're going to go back and finish the job. The first appointment that you're going to make is really just to open the box and let out all those feelings. Feel the feels, I like to say. The second appointment is to make decisions about the stuff. And the third appointment is to ensure that you responsibly declutter the stuff you've decided to let go of. No dumping it all in the trash can and sending it to the landfill, right? We, as sustainable minimalists, we donate, we recycle, we repurpose whenever possible. That third appointment is going to get you there. This is exactly what I did when I recently tackled my box of childhood sentimentals. I put three appointments on my calendar and then I highlighted them and I promised myself I was not going to blow them off. Sure, right? It would be easy to blow them off, but I knew I'd only be sabotaging myself if I did so. So I kept the appointments. When the first one came, I went to the basement and I got that box. It's a heavy plastic 18-gallon lidded thing. And of course, I knew exactly where it was, right? When it comes to that sentimental stuff, we always know exactly where it is and we're always seeing it out of the corner of our eye. And that's because the stuff is emotionally heavy by nature. I put the box on the floor. I opened the lid. The first thing in my box was a baby's first sticker calendar. You might not know what that is. I didn't know what it is either, but it's basically this very 1980s thing. It's this 12-month calendar where both parents write the milestones the baby hit on that day. They write down who visited. They put stickers on notable dates. You get the picture. This was the first thing in my sentimental box, and my dad's handwriting was all over the thing. It felt as I was reading it that he was just so enamored with me, and he was so in love with being a father. And thanks to the level of detail he gave on this first baby's sticker calendar, it just felt as though he was over the moon happy. 
I pulled this calendar out of my box and I really allowed myself to get lost in it. There are exclamation points all over the thing from both my parents. Nowhere did they write how tired they were or how stressed they were. The impression I got from reading it was that my parents, and especially my dad, were just so thrilled. The truth of the matter, however, is that just a few years after I was born, my father found a new family and left us. And of course, the story is more complex than that, but the point I'm making here is that we weren't all that happy. If I were to describe my childhood as a whole in one word, I don't really know what word I would use, but I would not describe it as a happy childhood. And I say that, of course, with love, and I say that with the caveat that my mom did the best she could, despite the circumstances. But That's why my childhood box, that's why those sentimental items for me is heavy and difficult. There's an awful lot of sadness in this box. All right, so back to my box. When I look back at the other contents of it, when I look back at the pictures of myself, specifically as a young child, I'm really staring at the face of a sad and vulnerable little girl I'm rarely smiling in these photos, and when I look at my old creative writing, when I read the earliest stories that I wrote, I always used to love to write, they're not imaginative or upbeat. They're depressing stories. So it's a good thing I made those three appointments with myself, because in one hour, in that entire first appointment, I had gotten through just one item. Just that darn baby calendar. And I was a bawling mess on my basement floor at the end of 60 minutes. The purpose of making a series of one-hour appointments with yourself is that you're working in short bursts. And you take the pressure off of yourself to finish a difficult job in one setting. Now, of course, if you have an awful lot of sentimental boxes, you're not going to get the job done in three appointments. So make more appointments as makes sense for the size of your job. That's tip number one. Tip number two is to keep one item that represents a collection of items. This is a Marie Kondo-ism. Now, as you are making some tough decisions about the sentimental items in your box or boxes, try to keep one thing that represents a bunch of things. Now, I'm going to explain this. In my box, I had written 17 stories, 17 stories. I read them all as I was going through this box, and I decided to keep just one of them. And the one story that I kept was intentional. It's one that actually won me an award. That story represented for me all 17 of the stories that were in that box. And because I kept the best one, I felt good about releasing the other ones and letting them go. So what could this look like for you in your life? Are you sifting through your grandmother's china? If you know you're not going to use that china, perhaps instead of keeping the entire set, you reserve just one teacup and one saucer and either use them in daily life or put them in a shadow box and put them on display instead. Or perhaps you're working through your deceased mother's costume jewelry. 
What is one piece of jewelry that she frequently wore that you can see yourself frequently wearing? And here's the key. What's one piece that makes you happy, makes you feel close to her, fills you with love and joy and warmth? Maybe you keep that one piece to represent the essence of your mother and her entire collection instead of trying to make room for that entire collection. Tip number three for handling the sentimental stuff is to represent a period of time with an album. In my childhood box, there were many items from middle school. Not a great time of my childhood for me. (laughs) I was very motivated to just chuck everything from middle school, but I didn't want to completely erase this time period from my life. So creating a small album of sorts really made sense here. What I did was I found a folder, and inside of the folder, I put all the best items from that time period. So my best report card. Not the mediocre ones, just the best one. One select note that a friend passed to me in class, a particularly funny one, I thought. A photo of myself in my eighth grade school play. Uh, My Girl Scout sash. And yes, I did still do Girl Scouts in middle school. One album represented my entire middle school experience. And I was very intentional about what I put into this folder because what I put in represented only the best of that time period. So again, bringing this back to you, what could this look like for you? Perhaps in your sentimental box, you have a lot of items from your engagement and from your wedding planning and from your wedding, and maybe even from those first few years as newlyweds. There's no need to save every receipt, every invoice from your wedding planning days. Instead, make an album to represent that period of time. Include photos, include a piece of the veil, a piece of the groom's handkerchief, a pressed flower from your bouquet, maybe, your invitation. And there it is. There's the single album that represents only the best of that period of your life. On to number four is to make a keepsake box. Now, this is exactly what I ended up doing with the remainder of my childhood items. When I made my keepsake box, I did so with the goal of keeping only my most valued childhood memories, not every run-of-the-mill Tom, Dick, and Harry memory. I decided to save only the items that made me feel good and only the items that represented the best of me and the best of my past. because. Here's the key, right? Life is too short to hold on to things that make us sad. That's the simple truth of it. Life is too short to hold on to things that make us sad. So that book I saved that won that award, it went into the keepsake box. The middle school album that I made, that went into the box. I also saved a pair of shoes that I used to love so much I slept in them. I saved my high school and college graduation programs. I saved a few photographs from me playing on sports teams. What did I get rid of? Everything else. I got rid of the school papers. I got rid of the report cards. I got rid of that darn baby calendar. There were a lot of photos in my box. I did not get rid of them, however, because 
These photos were particularly photos of me with family members who are now deceased. I didn't put those in the keepsake box, but I, of course I wouldn't throw those away. I put them in an album and now I put them upstairs with the rest of my family's photos. Photos only have one purpose and that's to be looked at. So I put them upstairs where we can actually look at them and I can talk to my kids about who's who in the photos. Now, if you're interested in viewing my end product keepsake box, I took some photos of it. It's quite lovely if I do say so myself. You can take a look at the photos of my keepsake box in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero nine one. Keepsake boxes are a really amazing way to memorialize a deceased family member. Perhaps you give everyone in your home a keepsake box so that everyone can keep the select items of their choosing from the deceased member. The key here, though, and this is really important, is to have a clear reason for saving each and every item in that box. If you don't have a reason for keeping things that are concise, you probably don't value those items as much as you think you do or as much as you think you should. Taking this one step further, when you're clear about the items you definitely want to keep, it makes it much easier to let go of the things that aren't quite as special. All right, I have three more hints for you. The first is, of course, is this is 2019. Digitize what you can. Take photos of that old artwork and put it on your computer. Scan that paperwork and get rid of the originals. Digitize the heck out of whatever you can. The next one is to enlist the help of a buddy if you think a buddy will help. If you know you will benefit from some emotional support, set yourself up for success by arming yourself with that buddy at the start. And finally, remind yourself time and time again that your home is a living space for your present life. It's not a storage space for your past, and it's not a holding cell for stuff you want to save for your kids in the future. Your home is for the present. Maybe you even write this out and you put it beside you while you're working so that you're anchored by the present moment, and also so that you're anchored by your goals for your space. Next week's guest, to continue this two-part series on sentimental items, I want to quickly introduce you to next week's guest. Her name is Erin. She's not a blogger. She's not a business owner or an entrepreneur or influencer. She's not really even a minimalist. She's a mother and she's a widow. Erin lost her husband young and unexpectedly to illness, and she's on the show next week to discuss why she decided to tackle his stuff and when she knew the time was right to do so. Erin's also talking about how she did it, the tips that we're talking about today. She talks about how in practice they work, and she's talking about what her life looks like now on the other side. What I love about Erin is that As she talks about her own battle with the sentimental stuff, she does so in a way that offers some really universal insight. So I do hope you tune in. 
This week's show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 091. That's M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash 091. I will see you next week. Take care. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.